Welcome to Sarah Gonzalez Unfiltered. Today, you know, Mike Pence, similar to herpes, I guess, just won't go away. He keeps rearing his ugly head and we keep telling him, bad, no, go, we don't want you, bad boy. Now he has started a group to keep uh, rhinos mainstream. We'll get into that. Also, a New York court has ruled that allowing non-citizens to vote is, it turns out, unconstitutional. New York. A New York court found this. How could this possibly be? But first, the uh, the Republican National Committee's security director is speaking out publicly for the first time since January 6, 2021, the darkest day of our democracy. And of course, the pipe bomb that perhaps never was. His name is Kenneth Capolino, And before he was director of security at the RNC, he was a Capitol police officer. So I would say pretty knowledgeable guy we're dealing with here. And he was actually the person who first alerted Capitol Police to the potential threat and managed the response. So Capolino told the Daily Wire in an exclusive that the pipe bomb looked like the same stereotypical improvised explosive device or IED as the ones used in law enforcement training. He said, any of the IED awareness training I've been to, that's like the quintessential training device. That's exactly what it looks like. They set up scenarios like that so you know what to look for. So they have to make the training devices. There was so much about January 6th, but nothing about the pipe bombs, which I thought was so, so strange. Now, that's Capolino in his own words. And I tend to agree. I, too, find that to be so so strange. Now, Capolino also mentioned the 60-minute egg timers that were attached to the bombs. Uh, these were, of course, the timers for detonation. Uh, he alluded to the fact that they were placed there the night before police claimed they were supposed to detonate. He said, quote, I was two feet from it. Why would someone construct a device with a one-hour kitchen timer, place it at 8.30 p.m. the night before if they intended for it to detonate 16 hours later? Great question. Now, he knows, by the way, that the real or maybe not so real, as it turned out, bomb was placed there the night before, for sure, because he personally reviewed the surveillance footage before handing it over to the FBI. And interestingly enough, even though he was the one who provided video to the FBI, he was the person in command the night of the incident. Capolino said the FBI showed up at the home of the security officer who was manning the booth that night six months ago to re-interview him. And at that time, asked for his supervisor's information, which was, of course, Capolino, but he has yet to hear from them. He also noted the delay in the response at the DNC, saying, quote, our response at the RNC was very quick. Watching the video of the DNC response, I was surprised at the delay in reaction, end quote, because remember, over at the DNC, after being alerted of the bomb, officers, we have video of officers continuing to just like yuck it up together while kids were walking by, crossing the street, and nobody seemed at all concerned. Very, very casual situation going on, almost like they knew something we didn't. And remember that recent revelation that it was, in fact, a plainclothes Capitol Police officer who alerted law enforcement about that DNC pipe bomb. Well, 
We also know now, according to investigative reporter Julie Kelly, that the person who found the RNC pipe bomb was a woman by the name of Carlin Younger, who worked for an FBI contractor. Hmm. Now, I realize a lot of residents in D.C. have government-related jobs because, well, government is sincerely bloated, and why the hell else would you be there living in the swamp? But how curious that both bombs were found by people directly connected to the feds? Huh. And also, how curious that a security analyst reviewing the surveillance footage of FBI contractor Carlin Younger said that she, quote, never expressed any worry and leaned down and placed her ear near the device to listen if the timer was ticking. Now, I want to be clear here. I'm not saying I'm like the brightest bulb in the box, but I'm fairly certain a reasonable person upon finding what you think may be a viable bomb. Like imagine you're walking down the down the street or walking into, I don't know, the Capitol Hill Club and you see something that looks suspiciously like a bomb. You probably wouldn't place your ear near said potential viable bomb to see if it was going to detonate at any moment. I don't know. I'm not a security expert, so maybe it's just me. But, you know, I'm just saying all this time has passed and it seems the FBI has been able to track down basically anyone wearing a MAGA hat who happened to be in D.C. on January 6th. They've tracked down people who didn't even show up to the Capitol that day. They've arrested over 1,200 people over charges related to January 6th. They've used extremely advanced technology like geofencing cell phone records to locate anyone near the area. Oh, but the FBI has said that they couldn't use the pipe bomb suspect's cell phone records because, uh, shoot, as it turns out, that particular batch of cell phone data had gone missing. Oh, man, they, they really wanted to. They really wanted to locate the suspect, but, ah, shoot, that data just went missing. What are the odds? So add all of this to the long list of things that are, to quote Capolino, so, so strange about January 6th. It is so strange that the pipe bombs were planted the night before, but were attached to 60-minute egg timers, but we were told they were viable by Capitol Police. Higher ups at Capitol Police, mind you. It is so strange that we've made no progress on finding the pipe bomb culprit. And also kind of strange that we have this person on video waving to police officers directly at the scene of the crime, which seems like a very weird thing to do if you are going there to, to do a very criminal act. Seems weird that you would be like, hey, police, nothing to see here. Don't worry. It is also so strange that the FBI team investigating the pipe bomb suspect was reassigned rather than allowed to follow up on their leads. Also very strange that both people who found these bombs and acted super casual about it were both connected to the feds. Also strange that the DNC Capitol Police didn't seem to be too concerned after being alerted. And it's really strange that Kamala Harris was at the DNC that morning and nobody can answer why even to this day. Very strange that Secret Service didn't catch the bomb during a sweep the night before at the DNC, and even more strange that a bomb-sniffing dog walked right past the bomb and didn't catch it. 
Also strange that two of the three surveillance cameras in reach of the detonation and one of the bombs shifted positions so suddenly during the investigation and detonation. And mm, shoot, it just coincidentally couldn't be seen. You couldn't see that detonation from two of those cameras because they had just, oh, oops, just been panned right as that was going on. Also very strange that it took two and a half years for Ray Epps, the main instigator on January 6th, who was identified immediately afterward. Two and a half years it took for him to receive any charges. And really strange that after throwing the book at people who received guided tours by the Capitol Police that day, he received no jail time. Strange that the FBI still refuses to tell us how many FBI informants they had embedded in the crowd that day, but the answer is definitely not zero. Strange that the Democrat-run January 6th committee chaired by Representative Benny Thompson did not mention the pipe bombs at all in the body of the nearly 900-page final report that day, except for a just a brief blip in the appendix. Very strange. Very strange that all of these coincidences, that all of these oopsies continue to happen or, you know, it was by design, but that's just a crazy conspiracy theory. All right, don't, please, don't be a conspiracy theorist. Take off your, take off your tinfoil hat. Stop being crazy. Of course, we're not being, you know, kept away from the truth of what happened to January 6th. Now, when we come back, uh, I want to uh, bring my panel in and uh, get their thoughts on this and much more. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Birch Gold. So, you know, I don't think that I have to convince you that there's a lot of global instability right now. I think that if you're watching this show and you're, I don't know, uh, not living under a rock, you've seen it. You see uh, what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. You see what's going on in Israel with Hamas. You've seen what's happening right in our very own backyard right here in America. And uh, just wondering, how have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? It's really not too late to diversify an old IRA or a 401k you got lying around into gold. Birch Gold Group can help you with that. And um, I, look, gold, look it up, okay? Gold in times of uncertainty, has historically thrived. It has been historically a good hedge against inflation, or as we're living through right now, bite inflation. And Birch Gold can help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. It's not going to cost you a penny out of pocket. I have done business with Birch Gold. I have loved my experience with Birch Gold. And I'm just telling you, I'm not a financial expert, but it's a very smart decision to at least read about it and uh, educate yourself on the matter. You can uh, do that by texting the word Sarah to 989898. They're going to send you a free information kit uh, on the diversification process, and um, they will have specialists that can help answer any questions that you have. You text the word Sarah. There's no H in that, by the way. It's just an unnecessary letter. To 989898. Welcome to the show, Yaku Buyans, Blaze TV contributor and uh, host of The Bottom Line, also doing great work over at Yaku Buyans Ministries. So I would encourage you guys to check that out. What is it? Helpjbm.org? Helpjbm.org. And what you would be helping with is to rescue kids from human trafficking. 
which I would hope we could all agree is an extremely worthy cause. Help. Yes, please. Uh, also, John Doyle, of course, Blaze TV contributor and host of Heck Off Kami. Um, so, guys, I want to get your thoughts on just the ever-growing long list of, I don't know if I can say evidence, but perhaps strange coincidences in the January 6th insurrection because as i was talking about earlier you know we have these uh the both the people who found the rnc and dnc pipe bombs are related to the feds somehow one being a plainclothes police officer the other one being um a fbi contractor who Seemed very casual. They all seemed very casual. Everyone's very casual about it. Uh, they're putting their ears next to the bomb to see if it's if if it's ticking. It's all a very just casual, cavalier environment, and it's just like, um, I I fear that we will never be able to prove what we I would I don't want to put words in your mouth, but what we all know is the case, which is this was all a setup. It was all planned from the start. Yeah, maybe, I mean, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but sure. maybe the inconsistencies in the narrative. Thank you. You know, the, yes. the this doesn't add up kind of gut check that every American does very well every day when they just go to the shopping, you know, cart. No, it doesn't add up. None of it adds up. What adds up is um, from the Ray Epps stuff to this is not how you behave when there's a real bomb. Right. Put your ear next to a bomb. Walk around. Didn't one guy finish a sandwich? Yes, and and while watching guys, young children cross, like the within like within forty feet, yes, from the bench, yes, finishes a sandwich because he knows, because they know, right? I mean, and so this is where you need to get away from the arts oh, tinfoil hat stuff to know that is how nefarious certain characters in our government are operating. That's what they're doing. It also shows how many people can be in on something and you still aren't told the truth. Like, it seems to me like there's a lot of people in the federal government who are quite fine, happy maybe even, uh, to just completely trick and mislead the American population and set up uh, certain individuals and set up an entire narrative. And they're like totally fine with it. Because they need something like that to justify their plans for American patriots. Um, and, you know, quite often we observe the actions of the federal government. And we think, wow, there's really nothing we can do. They're just going to do whatever they want anyways. And, and that is true. But they also need some sort of image and some sort of event to rile up their own supporters, mm -hmm. their own donors who then, oh, my gosh, the Nazis are real. We must give them money or their own voters who are like, man, maybe this is a little bit too far. But I mean, if the Republicans are doing this stuff and they're literal insurrectionists, then I guess it's okay to vote for Democrats and support what they're doing with children, what they're doing with babies, all of the things that they're not doing at the border. And so that's why it's very important for Republican voters, people like us, normal Americans, to maintain a sense of composure and self-control. I mean, you go to an event like this, stakes are high, tensions are high, everything that's going on with the election and Donald Trump, and you, know, you allow yourself to be enticed into certain situations, and then they clamp down on you. And you think to yourself, well, certainly some unauthorized tourism isn't going to get me in trouble when I saw just last summer, I mean, billions of dollars worth of property damage done in every major city in the country. I mean, that was even worse and the media incited it with lies. So surely I'll be okay. But it is that double standard because we're not equal. I mean, they need that excuse to clamp down on people like us 
so that they can justify everything else that they have planned for the future of our country, because we are the only legitimate opposition. If you could even call the Republican Party an opposition party, it's the closest thing that we have in in terms of a vehicle that could actually advance the interests of the American people. And so they have an interest in destroying that and purging it of patriots. And so anything, I mean, that's why Joe Biden, when he ran in 2020, his announcement speech was about, oh, I I saw the Charlottesville thing. I knew I had to run. And now you look at his commercials for 24. It's all J6 stuff. So there has to be some event. And so we can't give them that opportunity. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, so, so well said. I love the, the statement, the vehicle. Yeah. You know, the vehicle, it's, it's not a great vehicle, but it's the only one we've got is the vehicle to restore liberty and justice for all and an equilibrium in this country that we have absolutely lost. We've lost our minds. But you also have to villainize. And it's villainizing. It's the mechanisms through which they'll villainize this vehicle to say, oh, the radicals, the, the fascists, the crazies, you know, the alt-right, the far crazy the people. Extremists. They're just saying, no, I just don't want drag shows for my kids. I mean, it's not really that radical, right. you know, just kind of don't want a six foot guy throwing girls around a basketball court, all the things Sarah covers so well. But the point you're making is we lack spiritual and emotional maturity in this country. Don't take the bait. Mm. They're going to bring bait at your polls today. At the polls, when you vote on Super Tuesday on the 5th, they will bait you. They will try. They will entice you. Don't take the bait. Keep composure. Listen to the young man. John Doyle just delivered unbelievable maturity on this show. Can we just applaud that for a second? So much better than my conduct on Twitter. <laughs> I, okay, so so on the topic of the, the Republican Party, um, I want to get your take on this. Former Vice President Mike Pence's organization, Advancing American Freedom, has unveiled a move to combat what they term unprincipled populism within the conservative movement. And they have put in $20 million to something called the American Solutions Project. And they say that the primary goal is to persuade those on the right who may have been swayed by populist messages to return to what they consider true, quote, conservative principles. Now, I'm not sure if Mike Pence... uh, had anything to say on whether or not sending uh, all of our money over to Ukraine and other foreign entities were, quote, true conservative principles. Perhaps he didn't have a comment on that. But in an interview, he emphasized the importance of holding fast to the principles that have made America strong and free, steering clear of movements detached from those values. Now, he didn't name any names. But he said he had concern about a deviation from those principles, citing that, quote, many in the conservative movement have walked away from these principles, chasing the siren song of populism unmoored to conservative principles. (sighs) Yeah, I don't trust it. You know, one of the points that you make so often on this show is the failure of the conservative movement on account of us feeling this impulse to take the moral high ground mm-hmm. and be better than them. Mm-hmm. That That is like the losing with principles. I think Sam Francis called it the beautiful loser strategy mm-hmm. where it's like, well, we're going to lose, but we'll do so with principles and dignity. And there's a great scene in uh, No Country for Old Men mm-hmm. uh, where you've got Carson Wells, the bounty hunter, and he's trapped in a hotel room with the, the vicious assassin, uh, Anton Chigurh, and he 
asks him, he's like toying with him, if the rule you followed brought you to this, of what use was the rule? And it's kind of what you have to think when you're seeing everything that's going on in the country and how we're on the back foot now saying maybe we should have a border. Maybe we shouldn't sacrifice the unborn. And there are people in this country who are like, well, I hear you, but still the Democrats are more closely in line with my vision, so I'm still going to vote for them. And you have to wonder what those conservative principles have actually brought for us. Moreover, historically, that's not even true in itself because the orthodoxy that he's talking about is actually a a deviation from what historically has made this country great. His president, Donald Trump, is the guy that broke from the GOP orthodoxy on trade, on foreign policy, and on immigration. America was great because we had a sovereign nation. We're like, look, you want to come here, you better be from the best of the best. We're not just going to have totally open borders. That's what Trump got back to uh, in terms of free trade. I mean, every man on Mount Rushmore is a protectionist. And it was Mike Pence's coalition who says, no, let's be totally open borders in terms of trade. We'll offshore our manufacturing capacity, just have no jobs for Americans. And then even with the foreign policy, I mean, all of the founding fathers had quotes to the effects of like, look, we'll get along, but we're not going to have any permanent alliances. We're not going to get into any situations uh, in terms of things that don't immediately concern our interests. And that's why America became what it was in the latter half of the 20th century, because we were the only industrial economy that survived World War II. And so we were the top dogs. And it's as we've gravitated away from those things because of neocons like Mike that we've allowed ourselves to devolve to this state of weakness. Yeah, I I read this and I was like, okay, Boomer. Yeah, but he's also not saying anything. And that's a whole lot of saying. It's like, put your stake in the ground. I'm not going to call names. I'm not going to say what those values are. I'm just going to tell you we're not them. Like, what kind of a half-hazard, milquetoast approach is that? No, put your stake in the ground. Tell us what you stand for. And to your point, protectionist also... You know, we're, they were reformist, but they lined up with the word of God. And yes, I'm going to go there. This constitution was written for a moral people. It does not work if not for a moral people. The most cited document in the constitution, David Barton will tell you this, is the Bible. It doesn't work if you don't practice being a good steward of what you've been given. What Donald Trump did, and I'm not saying he was lining up with the Bible, but he was definitely practicing America first. Mm-hmm. Being a good steward, protecting American lives, protecting American soil, American jobs, the American freedom, the American way of life, our culture for crying out loud, we're losing completely. What is the American culture? It's not just hot dogs and hamburgers. It's, it's a way of living. It's a way of doing things, right? You have to be a good steward of that. And that it's stewardship. Mike Pence has not been a good steward. He's not a good steward of this nation. Open borders, bad stewardship. Bad stewardship. Education system, Eric July bring bad stewardship of your youth. It's bad stewardship upon bad stewardship. And unfortunately for me, that is a cancer in the, G- in the GOP, in the conservative movement. There's still not proper stewardship of, of what we've been given to steward. Well, I, I think a large part of that too, Yaku, to your point about we haven't really quite heard what those true conservative right. principles are is because it really just seems to be about breaking, like they're just broken from Donald Trump. Yes. And they're like, well, we I mean, we can't have this guy because we really don't like him. So we can't have anything that he stands for uh, out there. And we've got to we've got to squash it. But it's just like. This is the same tactic that Joe Biden took when he got into office and undid by executive order a lot of, as it turns out, and as he's finding out now, really great policies that Donald Trump had put into place. So what am I getting that's different than the radical left 
in Mike Pence's approach. I think that's why he's not telling what they are. Right. right. Because it's, if he, it's if he no was different. to if he was to plant the flag, and let's just say he said strong economy, and Trump comes back well, and the economy booms, then right. it's like, well, how are you different? Right. And this is why they're not disclosing. And Trump's Disclose. and Trump's policies. I mean. He, that wouldn't be different than Trump's policies because we saw the track record that Trump had before COVID happened. Unbelievable economy, maybe the strongest. There's a time in a, in a, there's a, time in a Texas Hold'em poker game where you got to show your cards. When that river comes, man, it's like, put your cards on the table, buddy. And if a guy like Pence will not put the cards down and say, this is what I stand for, it's just different. Right. We're not for that. Well, right. wh- what are you talking about? It's, it's gamesmanship. It's an anti-Trump movement. It's a pain in his heart. Yeah, and 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 he's taken up an offense, and that's what it is. And, and for that matter, he lines up with the left. Right. This is just uh, twenty million dollars being thrown at Orange Man Bad. Well, of course. I mean, that's why the GOP exists. It exists to siphon hope and energy and money away from patriots and and just literally burn them so they can't be funneled into something that would actually be proactive. You know, a serious political party like the Democrats, as much as I don't like them, they're a serious party. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they rack up points. Their job, as they understand it, is to reward their friends and punish their enemies. Mm-hmm. The GOP does the exact opposite. They punish their friends and reward their enemies. You know, I had this conversation yesterday with my sister because she sent a uh, a text in our family group chat about Biden looking to cancel a bunch of student loan yes. debt. And she's looking at it from this perspective of like, well, if he wants to help out these people, why is he doing this? What he should be doing? I was like, you're completely misunderstanding the point. He is rewarding his friends, which are people who do not contribute to society. And he's right. punishing taxpayers. He knows, well, I don't think he knows what he's doing, but his administration understands exactly the game that's being played. That's why you'll never have entitlements be cut. Because the system understands that it can maintain its sovereignty indefinitely so long as it keeps taking money away from taxpayers and giving it to people who are net tax uh, mm-hmm. not payers, mm-hmm. you know, people who, who do not pay. They take net, from the system. Right. Say that again. Net tax the, not payers. The, po- the point is. <laughs> I'm a ta- I get to butcher the kings because I pay taxes. Well, that's what I was going to say, the, I, which is why I personally think if you are taking in more government money than you are putting into the system, you should not get a say in it. Like that's a clear conflict of interest. You should not get a vote. Yeah. No, no, for sure. And, and, and that's what you reference now. The system is what I call the constant government. We can call it the deep state. We can go, there is a constant government that transcends our borders and our flag. Mm -hmm. There's a constant government that governs this country, that has influences from the World Economic Forum, and that does not change president to president. And Trump is the first guy to ever challenge that institution, the constant government. And what they hated was he was with them, and he was with them. People get mad when I say this. He was pro-abortion at one time. He was. He was. He was pro-abortion. Which is why I was. I didn't know if I trusted him the he first time. He was pro-abortion. He he, he funded a lot of Bill Clinton's campaign. Yeah. He's a New Yorker, but because he was there, he walked there before, and for a lot we can you can beat him up for it. He knew where the skeletons are buried. He knows how they operate. He knows how they play the political game, and he doesn't play with punishing your friends and rewarding your enemies. He goes, we're going to tax China. We're going to tax Mexico. We're going to build Americans. And that's what we need. Yeah. Yeah. Um, All right. Let's go ahead and uh, take a quick break. And then I want to, when we come back, I want to talk about the uh, Jeffrey Epstein documents that may be released here pretty soon. First, I want to thank our sponsor, Preborn. So, 
Um, as we sit here today, the lives of babies still in the womb hang in the balance. And, you know, you may have thought that, well, the overturning of Roe versus Wade fixed things, but it didn't. There are a lot of states that are encouraging women to come in. Come here, come. We're going to be your sanctuary city so that you can kill your baby in the womb. And I just... I want to talk to you about preborn, okay? The ministry of preborn empowers young expectant mothers in crisis to choose life. They have rescued hundreds of thousands of babies' lives through ultrasound. And when a woman considering abortion visits a preborn center, she gets to hear her baby's heartbeat and meet the precious child on the ultrasound. Uh, those of you who are parents understand, like, this is a divine encounter. This is something that just changes you. And the majority of the time, she's going to choose life for her baby. I am so proud to partner with Preborn, uh, the organization that's not only working to save lives, but is succeeding. Preborn has a passion to save unborn babies from abortion and see women come to God. Over the past 15 years, Preborn centers have counseled over 450,000 women considering abortion and over 200,000 babies have been saved. Those are extremely amazing numbers. And so I would just encourage you guys, uh, let's do more. All right. Will you help rescue babies' lives? You can donate uh, by dialing pound 250 and say the keyword baby, or you can go to preborn.com slash Sarah. Help us save the babies over at preborn.com slash Sarah. So Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has announced that he will be signing a bill into law that will make public the grand jury material from the state's 2006 investigation into Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, it's already obviously a unanimously passed in the Florida legislature, and it, it aims to shed light on why the grand jury returned minimal charges against Jeffrey Epstein back in 2006. Now, um, it's interesting because this is coming at a time where Jeffrey Epstein's brother is raising questions about um, his death, which, I mean, we've all had those questions for many years, but he's backing it up with proof of the autopsy photos with the ligature marks that are very thin, um, very small, and does not seem to be a mark that could have been made from a bedsheet. I'll put it that way. Um, but uh, DeSantis tweeted out his commitment to transparency, saying all files related to Jeffrey Epstein's criminal activity should be made public. And he went on to criticize the federal government's lack of accountability, welcoming legislative action to release the grand jury material. He also raised, raised questions about the Biden administration's delay in releasing additional Epstein files, saying, why won't Biden release the federal government's Epstein files? Um, you know, it's funny. I thought that I wanted to talk about Mike Pence's populism um, populism story because I knew John Doyle was going to be here. And I thought I really want to talk about the Jeffrey Epstein story because I knew Yaku was going to be here as well. And there is um, – I don't want to call you a Jeffrey Epstein expert because that sounds weird. But you kind of are. Well, I mean, look, th this is our 30th year combating human trafficking. March is our 30th year, started in 1994. And in 2004, 5-6, we were very involved in the Epstein case back then. And we were involved in giving testimony. And I'll say this, here's what you're going to find. Remember, it was Ghislaine Maxwell documents that was released recently. Now we're talking about Jeffrey Epstein documents. Very different. Mm. Different discovery, different documents. And what you're going to find, if in fact, 
DeSantis releases what they have, and they don't have all of it, but what they do have, is you're going to find that the information that was released recently on F- Epstein, we already had in 05. Nothing is new. This is how long they've been hiding it, how long they've been lying. You're going to get whiplash when you say, well, wait a second. They knew back then that these names were involved. They knew back then who flew the plane. They knew back because, remember, what they released with Maxwell was just up to 2001. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about 05, 06. All, we had all the information. What's not going to be released that the Fed is holding is the video footage. The the the. Because Epstein filmed everybody surreptitiously, but he filmed almost everything. He's got Clinton in a, in a in a blue dress and red shoes and a vice grip and all kinds of things. He's got footage on a, and the FBI has it. When they confiscated everything from his mansions, they've got it. They won't release that. Florida does not have that, but Florida has incredible information. Now I want to say this. Remember and just research this. Acosta who was one of the attorneys that helped Epstein walk, right, mm-hmm. in 06, 07, ended up running the Labor Department under Trump. That's right. Okay? Now, I had forgotten about that. Sex trafficking and human trafficking does not sit under the DOJ. It sits under the Labor Department, something Trump wanted to fix. So Acosta, who makes Epstein walk in 06, runs the Labor Department under Trump, Epstein gets arrested. Maxwell gets arrested. Acosta does what? Hands in his resignation, resignation. within two days. This thing is going to unravel. Those are the bits of information that's about to come out. I'm like, wait a second. Where are those folks? Call them back. Wow. We're the ones that were for Epstein back then, that were in the GOP, found their way all the way into the Trump administration, running departments that this sits under, Right. These are the things that, that the, the Florida files are going to reveal. And then hopefully there's a public outcry. And someday, hopefully under Trump, we can release footage. Not that I want people to see children being exploited on camera, but in front of a grand jury, a new jury, in front of the Senate, in front of Congress, if we can keep the House for crying out loud, yeah. and then actually get some things. And I think the point is we, we can have clear-cut evidence of who committed these crimes right. and then prosecute them to the fullest extent of the law. Yeah. I, I honestly can't imagine that scenario. That that just seems. I mean, imagine like turning on C-SPAN and and seeing uh, what is understood to be you know A-list politicians and political figures doing what everybody suspected for decades they, they've been doing. Um, and it is interesting too that you point out the sort of timeline on this because I've always felt like in the last five years or so where this discussion really has gone mainstream that there's always been this big piece of the puzzle that's always been sort of avoided. Um, and as they sort of like trickle out these you know, new pieces of information, these are things that people who have been following the case for a while have had. But uh, it, it will be interesting to see if it actually does get to a point where we finally are satiated. Like, oh, I knew it. I knew this stuff was going on. But I also, I just, I there are so many things about that story that, that puzzle me. Um, like, who was Epstein working for? You know, I've heard rumors that he was working for different countries as a sort of like blackmail proxy to keep the, the American system in line. But then I also even struggle with the idea that American politicians would need to be compromised. Like, I feel like our leaders are so evil already. Maybe they were already willing to play ball, and then they just so happen to be depraved, evil people, and then do things like that with children anyway. So it's weird to me because I think that people 
tend to view this story sometimes as sort of like a, it was this big blackmail operation, which I'm sure, you know, hey, definitely don't step out of line because we've got these videos. But I feel like it's almost, they're just evil already. And then that was just an accessory to that. It was just downstream from that. At that point, we're just getting into, you know, yeah, but look, Satan plays, details, they but. Play, Satan plays into the human nature and human flesh. But you make a point that we really need to just harp on for a minute. Jeffrey Epstein, and I argue this and I can prove it, Jeffrey Epstein was made by Robert Maxwell. Robert Maxwell, Ghislaine's father, who, who was a member of Mossad, who was an informant, who was a spy, who ended up floating in the ocean overboard with his daughter on board, killed for wanting to talk about things. He made Epstein. Epstein couldn't get $3 million together on Wall Street to run what they call a book for money. He brought the money managers in. He brought the money in. He made Epstein. Epstein reported to Maxwell. Epstein funneled information out of this country to multiple intelligence sources around the world. Multiple. I even argue, to a degree, he worked for Ghislaine. Because Ghislaine's father introduced Ghislaine as a teenager, late in her teens, to Jeffrey. She worked him. She worked him like a fiddle. And so this is why I'm always saying Ghislaine is the one walking away like the fat cat. House arrest coming soon. It's all easy and nice, right? No, we still have a alive for the moment culprit in this whole thing that's alive, mm-hmm. protected by the Biden administration. Right. Um, all right. Let's go ahead and uh, we got to take a quick break. And then when, when we come back, I want to talk about the New York court ruling that non-citizens, as it turns out, it's unconstitutional for them to participate in our voting process. First, we want to thank our sponsor, Relief Factor. So those of you who are living in constant pain, uh, maybe you just think that that's just the way it is now. And I, it's, there's just nothing that can ease it. There's nothing that can make it go away unless you take some sort of a super, you know, high dose painkiller and then you're all loopy and stuff like that. That's not the way it is. Let me tell you about Relief Factor, okay? I've used Relief Factor. There have been so many people that I know that have used Relief Factor and it's worked for. And what it does is it's all natural, so it's not going to make you all crazy. Um, but it it is an anti-inflammatory and it targets the inflammation in your body, which oftentimes is the root cause of your pain. You just don't realize it. So instead of some sort of a Band-Aid that you're going to put on it, some sort of a, you know, you rub a topical cream on something that hurts and you're like, wow, that feels really great for 10 minutes and then you're in pain again. Uh, relief factor is going to get to the root cause of the problem. It's not going to be just like a Band-Aid. And over a million people have tried Relief Factor's quick start kit. 70% of them have gone on to order it again. It's working for that many people. It can work for you. And if it does, it can be life-changing. You can go to relieffactor.com, get that three-week quick start pack. It's $19.95 and it comes with their feel better or your money back guarantee. So you have nothing to lose except your pain over at relieffactor.com. So a New York City law that sought to grant voting rights to non-citizens in local elections, a law that we talk about frequently when we talk about the great replacement theory and um, how dangerous it is to allow so many um, non-citizens into our country for various reasons. Uh, That has been deemed unconstitutional by a state appeals court. Now, 
<clears throat> uh, it would have allowed around 800,000 green card holders and individuals with federal work authorization to participate in city elections, including mayoral and city council contests. And it was struck down by the 3-1 ruling saying that the state's constitution clause stating, quote, every citizen shall be entitled to vote and, quote, exclusively referred to U.S. citizens, rendering that local law null and void. And, you know, it's just um, I wish that more people understood the significance of local elections. We've got elections going on right now here in Texas. It's early voting right now. I just voted today, as a matter of fact. And it's every single time I go in in a primary election, um, I don't see anyone else. it's, It's dead. There's not many people that go and vote. And what strikes me is that people always think it's about the president. The president is the most important vote that you can make. And it's like, I mean, I don't know. I feel like around 800,000 green card holders and people with federal work authorization who aren't even from here probably shouldn't be deciding who the mayor is, who the city council is, because what's going to affect you the most? It's going to be whatever your local city ordinances are. It's going to be if you have a school board that wants to provide uh, pornographic literature to minors. Like those are the fights, the battles that you are going to be fighting every single day. And I'm glad that the New York court uh, struck this down for obvious reasons, but I don't have confidence that that's going to happen in every single state where you're seeing this attempt to get non-citizens to vote. I don't think I don't have confidence that all of these judges or all of these appeals courts are going to to rule this unconstitutional because we see the play. We see the play. We see it right in front of our very eyes. It's a slow trickle. The left has been so good about they, they, they don't go for their end goal right away. It's always the slow trickle. It's always the slow Overton window shift that they're doing. This was just one of many attempts. But I mean, they'll get there come hell or high water unless we finally put our foot down and do something about it. Yeah, there was a, not a significant amount of pushback, but some pushback uh, with the way that the left has handled immigration as an entire issue for the last several decades, because a lot of people who are more pro-worker, pro-American labor had an issue with the left wanting to basically open up the border because they knew that that would displace American workers uh, to a larger extent. And so they kind of dealt with that pushback and maybe, you know, circumvented towards focusing more on other issues, knowing that in the decades to come, that would ultimately have a payout because they would have imported a, a voter base who will always vote for them. And I think, I forget who it was. I, I think it was um, maybe uh, JFK, Ju- Ted Kennedy. One of those guys said something that like the greatest gift uh, to the Democrat Party from the, I think, Lyndon Johnson's administration was that Heart Seller Immigration Act in 1965. I think it was Ted Kennedy who said that because they understood that when you change the immigration policy to allow for anybody to come here, whoever, then eventually you're going to import people who are hostile to the way that we do things in America. And they're going to want the country set up in a way that redistributes things like in, you see in third world countries or other countries. Um, and so I think that's more or less what we're seeing. And we also we have a very liberal attitude towards citizenship 
in general. I mean, you know, the Greeks would allow you to live in their cities and work in their cities, but you wouldn't be a citizen. Right. You wouldn't have, you know, a voting right, hypothetically, or anything like that. And so if America is going to be governed by what we would call civic nationalism, as opposed to something like an ethnic nationalism, where, well, if, you, if you're an American, you have to be, you know, a third, fourth generation American. You can't just come here, be an American. If we're going to have a more like George Bush era, just wave the flag, you can be an American. Okay. But then you also have to have the other side of that coin, which is that if you're going to hate this country, you should have your citizenship stripped. You should be deported. If we're going to have mass deportations, we should be deporting people who are insufficiently pledging allegiance to America and our values. So if we're going to be defined by that creed, okay, but we have to take it all the way there then and make people who are openly hostile towards the creed, who hold positions of elected office using our tax dollars to then advocate against that creed, well, then they should be deported. They should be removed from office. Case in point, Yaku, after the Hamas attack on Israel, we had all of these people taking to the streets talking about not just the Israel part, but death to America. Yeah. It's like, why are you here? Are you here on green card? You can leave. Oh, and by the way, if you're a citizen, to John's point, you can also leave. Go back to Somalia or wherever you came from if you don't appreciate this country. Certainly, you shouldn't be voting. I was trying to think yeah. of how to explain that. I saw our favorite congresswoman, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, was in a Twitter oh, You're fight. an Alex Stein's favorite. True. Well, true. Uh, we, uh, I, I saw that she was in a Twitter argument last night with APAC. Uh, because APAC was saying that she was being inconsiderate to the feelings of sexual assault survivors. And she was saying, no, you're being inconsiderate because I'm a sexual assault. I was trying to think, like, how would I explain to George Washington? Like, okay, so you've got this woman in Congress. Stay with me. And her name is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. And she's fighting with the, the Israel lobby about who's being more inconsiderate to victims of sexual assault uh, because of this foreign conflict over there with Palestine. And we're like, what's Palestine? Oh, oh, hold on. We'll get to that. Like trying to explain all this nonsense that's going on in, in our political discourse instead of just focusing on something like the border, which I know we hammer it to death, but it's because we have to. We have to give it that attention because no one else will. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts before we go to break, Yaku. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love John's mind. Uh, look, I'll 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 say this. I'm going to come back again to stewardship. You know, when I became a U.S. citizen, one of the most proud moments of my life, other than my salvation, my wife, my kids, I'm sworn in to, and I pledge allegiance to this nation to defend it against enemies, foreign, domestic. But it's it, the way of life that I swore an allegiance to. Mm -hmm. It is the Constitution. It's the American people. It's the ways of life. And that's why the word assimilation is so important. They're not asking right. them to assimilate, which means don't become American. Take a trip to Canada. Go to Canada, get in a car, drive around Toronto, and you'll find little Italy with an Italian flag flying, yeah. little Greece with a Greece flag flying. There is no such thing as a Canadian. There's not. There's not a Canadian culture. They've decimated the culture. I love some Canadian people, but there's no culture. We are losing our culture. That's the play here, Sarah. Mm -hmm. I know. And you do it by just adding a whole bunch of milk to your coffee, and all of a sudden, it's a bunch of milk with a little bit of coffee. You're, they're blending our culture out of America, our way of life. And then they'll radicalize them on college campuses where they burn the American flag, and I'm with you. You're up against the First Amendment a little bit there, but if you're going to burn the American flag, you know, maybe you shouldn't be here. And, and actually, if you publicly proclaim that you hate this nation, like, hey, if Trump's president, I'm leaving, we're stamping that. When he's president, you're out of here. Mm -hmm. Whoopi Goldberg, mm -hmm. George Clooney, you're gone. I will, I'll, I'll contribute. I will pay. I'll contribute. Last word, John, and then we got to go. He should actually not be allowed to have a platform because he 
instills into the mind of the American public an inaccurate view of what an immigrant actually is. Like, because for every one Yako, for every one Yako, we get 99 Ilhans. That's fair. And talk about deportation, importation. If I were president in the 2000, I would have sent mercenaries to South Africa. I would have forced you to come immigrate. I'd be like, we need this guy. He's a great guy. Heart of gold. Wonderful. I bleed red, white, and blue. We'll bring him into America, but we're not getting Yakos. We're getting Ilhans. We're getting, it's just, it's not, it's not fair. That's a great point. All right. We got to take a break. We'll be back. Got something to say? Leave Sarah a message at 888-969-5113. All right, before we go, I want to make sure to uh, tell you guys there is a Blaze TV subscriber exclusive over at Blaze TV. It is Cooking with the Robertsons, so you can uh, cook with Phil, Miss Kay, and their family. And i that's probably... I, I feel like I'm uh, hungry just thinking about the amazing food that they probably cook. So make sure that you check that out if you are a Blaze TV subscriber. Also, make sure that you go to help JBM, Yaku Buyans Ministries, helpjbm.org. Uh, Yaku is fighting all the demons. I would say he's slaying all the demons, actually, on a daily basis. I don't know how he does it, but certainly they could use your, uh, your support, however you can give that to them. Also, heck off, Kami. Make sure that you subscribe to that. I won't save your children, but I'll, I'll <laughs> tell you how to no, rationalize no, your preconceived bigotry. No, 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 you will save your, he will save your children because he is influencing Gen Z. He is influencing yes. the youth in the right way. Yes, he shocks. is leading them from going astray. And then also check me out over at AmericanBeautyBySarah.com. We, here's the thing. We don't pretend that men are well, I don't want to say that and get censored at the end. But we are exclusively for American women made in the U- in the USA. We'll see you tomorrow. Stream and subscribe to more Blaze Media content at theblaze.com slash podcasts.